Okay, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahilladhi anzala Qur'anan arabiyya wa hadana suratan sawiyya wa salatu wa salamu ala muhammadin alladhi bu'itha rasulan nabiyya wa ala alihi wa sahbihi alladhina salaku tariqan maradiyya amma ba'd. So, first and foremost, uh, I'd like to greet everybody who's uh, viewing this podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Uh, we have uh, our first ever uh, Palmer's Green podcast, uh, which we would like to uh, present to you all today. Uh, and it's something which is uh, quite important, something which has been on our mind uh, for some time. We do have uh, a very special guest, uh, and that guest is none other than uh, Dr. Zafar Iqbal, uh, who uh, some may have uh, seen him around in the masjid from time to time, especially during the uh, Eid Salahs and, and perhaps during uh, Ramadan as well. Uh, just to highlight uh, a few of uh, the, creden or the some of the credentials of our guest today. Uh, so Dr. Zafar Iqbal uh, is a consultant in sports and exercise medicine uh, and is currently the head of sports medicine in Crystal Palace FC. Uh, he's also the chairman of the FA Medical Society and chairman of the Premier League Doctors Group. Uh, he's also a lecturer at uh, Queen Mary uh, University in sports and exercise medicine. Uh, and he is a campaigner uh, for DFIBs and, uh, uh, and healthy exercises. Uh, he's worked with a lot of Muslim athletes uh, and not just within, uh, you know, the world of football, uh, but also with uh, cricketers uh, from Pakistan. Uh, and he has previously been the head of sports medicine at Liverpool uh, FC for five seasons. Uh, and he's been the first team doctor at uh, Tottenham Hotspur as well. So you would have perhaps regularly seen him uh, on the TV, on the bench. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he is an individual who is quite prominent, uh, especially uh, in his profession and as a Muslim within his profession as well. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, Dr. Zafar, that he increases you uh, in your uh, greatness and that uh, he accepts your services as well. Um, in fact, one of the uh, ways uh, and, and one of the questions that may uh, appear at this juncture is that how did uh, I get in touch with uh, uh, Dr. Zafar, which is quite a, a fun story in that uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I had an ACL injury whilst playing football. Um, and unfortunately, it happened just before Ramadan, uh, which required me uh, to lead the Eid Salah thereafter. Unfortunately, I couldn't uh, because of the damage which was done to my knee. Uh, I was unable to lead the prayers, but I did give the khutbah accordingly. But one of the things that I mentioned before the uh, khutbah actually started was, or before the salah and, and the proceedings, is that I won't be able to lead the prayer. Uh, however, we will have one of our junior imams leading uh, because unfortunately I have damaged uh, my knee. Um, and thereafter, uh, when, once the salah had finished, uh, Dr. Zafar uh, caught up with myself uh, and he was asking me regarding my knee, the situation what the doctors have said um, and this is something commendable because uh, he, he didn't need to I mean this was totally out of his own kindness um, and I didn't know at this juncture who he was I, I, I recognized his face from somewhere but I couldn't pinpoint uh, exactly where uh, and after we got talking, I realized uh, he was the head team doctor uh, at uh, Crystal Palace or the head of sports medicine. And uh, and he had previously held this position with Liverpool. Uh, and from then onwards, uh, uh, Dr. Zafar was kind enough uh, uh, to meet me on a regular basis to check uh, the situation with my knee. Uh, and through his guidance and his continued support, uh, I've been able to uh, make a recovery accordingly. So, uh, Dr. Zafar, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Walaikum Islam and uh, Jazakallah for that very kind introduction. Oh, no, you're most you're most welcome. You're most welcome. Um, I think uh, you know as far as uh, Ramadan is coming and uh, 
uh, with all the things that are happening, uh, you know, uh, in our current time uh, with COVID, uh, I think this is a, a good place to to start. So with Ramadan coming, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has mentioned in the Quran, "Ya ayuha ladina amanu kutiba alaykum al-siyam kama kutiba ala ladina min qablikum la'alakum tattaqun." That fasting has been made fard upon you, uh, just like it was made fard upon the nations that came before. Uh, and the reason for this is so that you may be uh, more mindful of God, or so that you may develop awareness. Um, since you've, or since you have had extensive uh, experience in the Premier League, uh, how would you say Ramadan is spent? Not only uh, by yourself, but by players within the Premier League, or uh, or within other sports that you've uh, you know delved into from time to time. Uh, so that's the you know the first uh, question that I want to present to you uh, before we start talking more about things which are perhaps uh, more topical or relevant to uh, individual Muslims regarding their diets and their health uh, during Ramadan. So uh, Ramzan, obviously, uh, as we all know, is it can be a very testing times uh, just for anyone who isn't involved in physical activity, uh, and of course. Uh, those that participate in regular physical activity and especially something as strenuous as football, uh, Ramzan poses additional challenges. So I've been quite fortunate in all the clubs that I've worked at that the other staff, we've had several Muslim players and staff there and the clubs uh, that I've worked at, both Tottenham Hotspurs, Liverpool and also Crystal Palace, the managers, the medical team, the sports science staff have been very understanding and uh, of uh, certain players who have decided to fast. So uh, the first thing is that, you know, uh, we try and raise awareness so that the staff within the club know that there may be uh, some Muslim footballers there and some of them may be fasting. And then what we do is we open the dialogue with the players in terms of how best we can support them. So if I can give example, at, at Liverpool, we had Kolo Torre mm -hmm. and also uh, Osama Saidi. Uh, who were both fasting and at that time uh, it was during pre-season so the hours were long and normally we would be doing a double session so Brendan Rodgers who was the manager at the time understood that these two players were fasting during training and so again he would be very accommodating in that instead of the players having to do double sessions they would do a session maybe towards the end of the day uh, so by that um, uh, you know, they could then open their faster iftar. And so again, uh, the club would, you know, we would engage with the, with the nutritionist and make sure that we could try and get the best foods for the, uh, for the players if they decide to fast. Uh, in terms of uh, limitations during Ramadan, uh, I mean, you must have worked closely with the, the players. Um, did you find uh, that uh, Ramadan increased their intensity or perhaps lowered their intensity in the things that they were doing? Uh, we've heard, uh, you know, lots of information of uh, athletes uh, using intermittent fasting or fasting in general uh, as a, a means to uh, strengthen their performance in, in some areas. So if you look at the science, we know that, of course, um, during a, a strenuous activity uh, over 90 minutes like football uh, you're going to lo lose fluid even more than you are obviously during the day when you're fasting especially in hot weather so um, and for an athlete hydration is obviously very important because studies show that uh, if you lose you know even five percent of your body weight in fluid which you can easily do during a game then your performance can decrease physically by 20 percent 
when I speak to the players, so for example, Kolo has often spoken about this, and also uh, players, cricket players like Moin Ali and Sonny Bill Williams, who have also uh, fasted and competed at the highest level. When I speak to them, they find that mentally, spiritually, it helps strengthen their iman. And so the, what they feel is that any physical effects, they combat that because of their uh, mental strength is increased. And we all know in sport, you know, half the battle is also from a mental perspective, because if you are willing and, and you know, able to put the effort in, then it is also important in performance. So, um, you know, all these athletes that I've spoken to, they've said that although they may feel tired, their concentration may, uh, you know, they may find it a little bit difficult. In other ways, they find that their mental strength uh, and discipline increases further and that combats, uh, you know, that some of the physical um, side effects they may feel as a result of fasting. Right, right. Uh, so bringing the discussion more uh, perhaps uh, relevant for our uh, Muslims who may not be athletes, um, you know, our local Muslims at Palmer's Green or even outside and those who are watching this uh, uh, discussion. With Ramadan around the corner, uh, what are your best dietary tips? And uh, we'll be speaking a little bit more regarding various diets, the keto diet, etc., low-carb, uh, high-protein diets, uh, a balanced diet, uh, and, and weight loss in general shortly. Uh, but just as a summary, uh, what are your best dietary tips for uh, individuals during this blessed month? I think the key thing is making sure that <clears throat> the kinds of foods that you eat are not high in sugar or not high in uh, the wrong types of fats, the wrong types of carbohydrates. The main reason for this is that we know that during uh, fasting, your body during the day will go into storage mode. Hmm. And so if you're not careful when you're opening your fast during uh, iftar, if you suddenly take on huge amount of the wrong type of foods, all that will end up happening is that uh, your body will try and store them because your body's thinking, hang on a sec, I've not had food for a long period of time. Mm. So I need to store this because I don't know where my next meal is. So what we advise is open your fast, uh, you know, have a date, have some water, have some milk, then obviously go and read your prayers. Then after that, have a small meal. Again, making sure that it's, it doesn't contain too much sugar. So don't just pile on, you know, uh, a whole lot of samosas and sweets. Just thinking that, yes, I've fasted the whole day and now's my time to, you know, uh, have the right kind of foods. So small meals between iftar and sehri is really important. And again, making sure that what you don't want to do is reverse the positive effects that you've had, the benefits that you've had of fasting, mm. and just by, you know, uh, consuming calories which your body doesn't require. Sure. So, okay. So, uh, this leads me on to uh, another question. Uh, you mentioned that uh, there should be a balance between carbs, proteins, and fats. Um, what I found in my experience is that sometimes when we're discussing nutrition uh, with individuals who perhaps haven't had uh, experiences uh, or any experience regarding nutrition and are just used to uh, labeling foods as rice and, and pastas and, and, and chicken, etc., without giving them or putting them in the categories such as uh, carbs, proteins and, and fats, uh, what you find is that there's a lot of confusion as to uh, individuals, you know, as, as to what they should eat 
Uh, and therefore, when we're saying carbs, proteins and fats, could you kindly like give an example of what um, a typical iftar uh, should consist of? Uh, uh, because we have rice, but we have different types. We have pastas, we have different types uh, as well. And uh, you could eat, uh, you know, uh, the same amount of, of both, but the effect that it would have on, on your body would be completely different. Um, so what would you suggest in terms of good practice with, with uh, you know, different types of foods? Um, and I'd like you to also, you know, uh, perhaps uh, touch base upon uh, cultural foods. Um, so, for example, uh, I, I know within my family that, uh, you know, if, if, if I was to bring uh, brown rice on the table, everybody would have question marks, uh, uh, you know, rather, you know, they've got a, a more focus towards foods which have perhaps greater spices or foods which are supplemented with uh, samosas or spring rolls, etc. So what would your guidance be uh, in this regard? <clears throat> So what you want to, so for iftar, uh, as I say, a small amount of sugar is fine. So with regards to a date, uh, so that's fine. So in, initially to give you the immediate energy, mm -hmm. then what you want to do is have foods which try and release energy slowly. So these are the types of carbohydrates which will release energy slowly. Um, so as you mentioned, most uh, uh, you know, Pakistani diets will have rice and that's usually white rice. Mm. Now that again is, is fine in moderation. It's a good source of carbohydrate, but the disadvantage is that it will make your sugar levels go up quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And then what ends up happening is that your body will just try and store that. So what you want is foods which will release carbohydrate slowly. Um, if you're going to have larger amounts of those. So those kind of foods, are unfortunately, you know, some some you know do frown upon them and say they don't taste as nice. So as you already mentioned, brown rice. If you're going to have uh, chapati, then make sure it's with wholemeal flour as opposed to just white flour. So anything. Uh, so we we could the easiest way of splitting up is into white carbohydrates and brown carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. So anything with white flour, so white pasta, white rice, uh, white bread is going to be what we call quick release carbohydrates. But those, unfortunately, are more likely, not only will they not fill you up for a long period of time, the body is more likely to store them. Whereas if you have the foods which release energy slowly, mm. uh, such as a brown, uh, brown rice, brown wholemeal pasta, those type of foods will release um, uh, carbohydrates or energy slowly over a longer period of time. So, for example, for individuals who uh, perhaps want to diet uh, in accordance with the things that you've highlighted, um, but would like to do so while still maintaining or still staying true uh, to their cultural foods. Uh, would a dish, for example, brown rice uh, with uh, you know a, a broth like a chicken curry uh, or a, or a chicken salon of some nature be uh, you know ideal? Or perhaps yes, would it no, be no. terrific? No, no. Again, as with anything, it's small amounts over uh, it, it is far better. So what? So the best way of describing it is rather having two big meals. Mm -hmm. So just having one large meal at iftar and one large meal at sahri. What's going to end up happening is that if you consume uh, a huge amount of food, the body doesn't know what to do with it other than store it. Mm -hmm. So what we recommend is that if you can have at least three small meals spread throughout the night, sure. um, if possible, even four, because what ends up happening is that the body will use that slowly and not just try and store that. Because the last thing you want to be doing 
and you know we all struggle with our weight and trying to keep uh, as we get older the last thing you want to be doing is is get into a position where you're gaining unnecessary fat so have those kind of foods as i said which release energy slowly you know uh, just change things around instead of having white potato see if you can have foods like sweet potato mm. and again i appreciate it may not be to everyone's taste but having foods like sweet corn kale uh, lentils these kind of foods which release uh, energy slowly uh, and are much likely uh, much less likely to be stored um, in the body are far better so we've spoken uh, regarding good practices and, uh, uh, you know, your response has been uh, quite detailed. But what about uh, the, the, the don'ts of Ramadan, um, things that would perhaps, uh, you know, cause us uh, fatigue uh, prior to Taraweeh, uh, perhaps cause us laziness in, in worship? I mean, we're naturally uh, going to be fatigued to some degree during the day. Um, because of uh, you know the absence of food within our lives, um, however, you know depending on what we eat at iftar, that could also have uh, uh, positive or negative consequences uh, on what's going to follow in terms of our ibadah and worship. Uh, so, what would you say are the absolute don'ts uh, of Ramadan, or perhaps things that we should keep an eye on uh, whilst we are eating iftar, or even uh, the meals that uh, we spread across during the night and and before suhoor, before we actually go to sleep. So I, I keep going back to it. I think the key one is making sure that you don't consume large amounts in one go. Sure. Uh, avoid uh, sugary drinks. Um, avoid if you can, uh, you know, foods like the white potato and, and especially large amounts fried foods. Because the main reason is that these food these foods are going to do two things. One, they're going to release uh, energy very very quickly, so you'll get a spike, and that will also make you feel quite tired as well. Mm-hmm. So, as I said, small amounts of foods. Make sure you have uh, plenty of fluid throughout the uh, the night as well. Uh, avoid caffeine if you can, because mm-hmm. we know that's a weak diuretic in the sense that it can make uh, you lose water quickly. Uh, have fluids which contain uh, you can get electrolyte tablets a lot of our athletes will uh, take uh, water with electrolyte tablets and what that does it makes the fluid what we call isotonic so it means that the fluid will stay in the body for longer for a longer period so again try and consume between two to four liters but rather than just in one go spread it out uh, throughout the night and I appreciate that's difficult because at some point you've got to try and get some sleep as well. But, um, you know, the key is not having any foods which are uh, small amounts are fine, but large, large amount of food which are fried, uh, which contain lots of white carbohydrates and foods which contain lots of sugar. Because all they're going to do, yes, they'll make you feel good for a short period of time. But then afterwards, the negative effects is that they're going to make you feel sleepy and they're going to get stored. Right. So, uh, you know, just uh, out of uh, the things that you've mentioned, I just want to focus a bit upon caffeine because uh, many of us, uh, after we've, uh, you know, completed our iftar uh, and before taraweeh, uh, we like to have a bit of coffee or a bit of tea, uh, etc. What would be a better alternative um, to keep us uh, awake, uh, you could say, during taraweeh or perhaps later during the night? So I think uh, for iftar, it's fine because the, the what the key... Uh, step is and and what I would say is a no no is having coffee uh, for sehri mm-hmm. because then what ends up happening is that you have that 
uh, not uh, uh, again being a diuretic it means that you you're going to lose fluid quicker so and quite quickly so after surgery so what you want to be doing is certainly for surgery um, you want to be making sure that's the time to have the uh, the fluids with the electrolyte tablets, not too much sugar, uh, so that stays in the body the longer. So uh, a coffee is fine if it's a iftar, but I wouldn't recommend it for sari. Brilliant. Okay, so uh, the next question, and, and perhaps this is the golden question. I mean, this is a question which uh, many of our uh, youngsters and many of our senior, uh, uh, you know, people within our community ask. Uh, and that's quite simply, uh, you know, regarding weight loss. Uh, so many of us <laughs> pre-Ramadan, uh, we have a lot of uh, goals or objectives that we would like to, uh, you know, achieve throughout this month, you know, in terms of our Quran, in terms of our Salah, just our, you know, development as far as our spirituality is concerned. Uh, but, you know, perhaps many of us also see this <laughs> month uh, as a time where we can lose weight uh, naturally. I mean, uh, uh, because where our, you know, consumption of food has decreased substantially during this month. Um, um, so I guess the golden question is that uh, what would be a typical diet plan for a person who wanted to lose weight? Now, I, I appreciate that you've previously mentioned that everything is uh, to eat in moderation and to, uh, you know, space things out and to, you know, uh, basically have smaller portions than you would usually have. And I assume that would put an individual naturally within uh, or in a calorie deficit or perhaps just bang upon uh, the amount of calories they need to consume in order for their body to function uh, well. Uh, but what if a person was perhaps a bit more disciplined or, or a person could uh, control themselves uh, a bit more um, what would you suggest for such an individual who actually wanted to look uh, at this particular month um, as a means of uh, losing uh, you know a, a lot of weight that they have gained throughout the year um, and in particular, I want to uh, I want your advice um, uh, regarding things such as you know keto diets or uh, uh, you know Atkins diets or, or low carb diets in in general um, during this month. I mean, by employing a low carb diet, are we effectively you know dropping an axe on our foot as far as other things are concerned in terms of our worship and the things that we're going to use to fuel our body, or are, are these things some things which we can actually do and and be successful with, provided that we are uh, disciplined? Um, so yeah, your, your your views on this would be um, uh, much appreciated. Sure. So <clears throat> the best way of of trying to lose weight, as you say, it's, it's basically a calorie deficit and uh, trying to have those kind of foods which are going to be, uh, as I say, not uh, energy dense and are not going to be stored quickly. So what we advise normally if somebody's trying to lose weight, take Ramadan aside. So in in our footballers who may come back at uh, the start of a season and have gained some uh, body fat what we do with them is put them on a low uh, carbs diet so they cut out as much as they can in terms of the carbohydrates mm. they get their energy from uh, protein and the right kind of fats and a smaller a small amount of carbohydrate is is fine uh, at the same time with those players especially in the morning we will get them doing what we call fat burners Mm -hmm. So they'll do about 20 to 30 minutes trying to burn uh, even more energy. That obviously can be difficult during Ramzan, especially early in the morning. Um, so for me personally, I think Ramzan is not the right time if you're trying to uh, lose huge amount of weight because it can be difficult. I think, um, you know, the, the, the best way to do it is obviously, as you mentioned, uh, reducing the amount of carbohydrate but then that can have an effect because carbohydrates are important in terms of concentration yeah. 
and um, you know you may not be able to get the right amount of energy and you may feel even more tired than normal so for me during Ramzan, you're going to most people are going to lose weight as long as they don't uh, as long as it be sensible because unless you're doing regular weight training which again is hard you most people are going to lose muscle and we know uh, you know per volume muscle weighs more than fat and so you're going to lose muscle you're going to lose fluid and so people will normally lose um, uh, weight during Ramzan anyway sure. as I say if you want to accelerate that it's the main thing is by diet as opposed to trying to increase your physical activity and and so low carbs is the key one to do that but bearing in mind that will put additional stresses on the body um so as i said anybody who's uh, not eating food for a long period of time the body uh, it does two things so one it tries to think okay where am i going to get energy from okay so it can either do that by breaking down protein from your muscle or your fat stores now that in itself requires a lot of effort so the body does either one of two things so it either says right i'm just going to shut everything down and i'm going to slow everything down because i don't know when the next meal is so your metabolism slows down and you can then feel a little bit more tired you feel more sleepy um but to try and combat that what people then do is that they will do more activity so they will force the body to actually try and burn the fat so that's why people go into low carb diet and at the same time they will do what we call fat burners and they will exercise hard to force the body into try and burn the excess fat sure okay if you're not fasting then that's not a problem because as soon as you've done the activity you can then take energy by protein drinks uh and and that can help the body you know um uh, give you some uh give you some energy however if you try and exercise hard and you've got low uh, carbohydrate diet that i think would have uh, an even more uh negative effect on the body in terms of you feeling tired even more tired so if you are going to do it as i say ramzan for me personally isn't the time to try and think right i'm going to get myself fitter uh, than ever before I think the key things that we say to athletes is trying to minimize any loss of muscle, try and maintain your uh, any fitness levels that you have by doing a small amount of regular physical activity. Uh, but certainly you can try and get into the pattern of uh, reducing the amount of food that goes in mm-hmm. and then uh, making sure that you have the right kind of foods that go in and just get just build up a routine like that. Sure. So I, I want to touch upon uh, exercise. So usually we refrain from exercising uh, during Ramadan uh, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it might be out of fatigue. Sometimes it's purely because of time better spent uh, reciting the Quran or uh, you know additional salah, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, however, many of us still do want to exercise. You know, many uh, you know many Muslims still want to engage in weightlifting. Uh, others want to uh, just exercise just for the. I mean, especially during things like lockdown. Um, it, just in order to feel better about themselves uh, as well. Um, is this uh, a valid uh, approach or should we focus, uh, uh, you know, uh, more on, uh, you know, other aspects of, uh, of Ramadan? I mean, uh, what would your uh, advice be in this regard? I think there's three different strategies. I think it, it is important to maintain uh, some level of physical activity mm-hmm. because of the positive effects of that. It can help control your blood sugars and it can help with a carefully controlled diet. It can help in terms of maintaining 
your muscle bulk, which you know you may have worked hard on the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do physical activity, there are three times that one can do that. You can either do that uh, just after Sehri. The advantage of that is that you've got energy on board, so you may feel that you've got enough energy to be able to do the activity. The disadvantage of that is that it's going to be a long time. You have to wait to lift the arm before you can then have any further food or fluid. So you have to be careful of what type of physical activity you do then. So maybe a little bit of strength training is fine to do that uh, just after Sehri. The other time to do that is just before iftar. Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to do um, either weight training or uh, a light run, the other advantage of that is um, your glycogen, which is the energy store within the muscles, will have been used up during the day. So by doing some exercise just before iftar, that's like doing the fat burners first thing in the morning. So your body is forced to try and burn some fats. So there is a big advantage of doing some exercise just before iftar. And then you know that obviously at iftar, you'll be able to take on a protein drink and some fluids so you don't feel too fatigued immediately afterwards. And then the third strategy is some will fast in, um, at night, no, you're not fast, sorry, will we'll play sport at nighttime. Mm -hmm. So I've heard of various uh, Muslim leagues, football, that is uh, that, that play around about midnight. So, you know, after Taravi prayer, um, certain football clubs will allow their facilities to be used by, uh, you know, the local community to play uh, five-a-side football, so to speak. So uh, the, the obvious advantage of that is you're not tired, and but you're able to do some physical activity. So there's three strategies. The one that I'd probably recommend is that you try and do some training just before iftar because you're able to burn uh, additional fat mm -hmm. and then at the same time uh, you're able to then uh, make sure you're well hydrated uh, you know shortly after by opening your fast. Sure so uh, in terms of uh, I mean you've highlighted what a good exercise uh, program would look like um, however you know different different people have uh, different strengths and flexibilities in, in, in terms of the things that they can or, or can't do. Um, what type of uh, exercise would you recommend? I mean, you, you did mention uh, strength tra training uh, regarding, uh, you know, weights, etc. Perhaps the gyms aren't open or perhaps individuals don't have, uh, you know, access to dumbbells and, and, and barbells and, and the like. Um, what would you ad advise just for the, you know, a common individual who perhaps might have uh, some bands at home? Um, and uh, perhaps also for our sisters uh, as, as well, who um, perhaps during the day uh, will be uh, incredibly busy or maybe at some point later on the day, um, you know, they are focusing on, on children and, and perhaps they don't have enough time uh, to exercise to a, a great degree, but do have enough time uh, to exercise perhaps a little bit. Um, what would a good exercise program uh, look like um, for an individual who doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, the resources or the materials, um, uh, you know, required? Sure. I think we're quite fortunate. I mean, even in this lockdown period, you know, there have been lots of ways in which people can exercise. So uh, myself, you know, if I don't have all the equipment at home, we can do lots of exercise with body weights. You can do HIIT um, exercises. So that's high intensity interval training just by using your own body weight, um, you know, various uh, movements such as squats, uh, push-ups, push-ups. Um, press-ups 
um, burpees. So those kind of activities, even for 15, 20 minutes. And there's lots of YouTube channels that one can, you know, switch on and, and see that there's various instructors that are able to do this. Mm. My wife has got into a routine with her sisters uh, just to go on online via Zoom or WhatsApp videos. And they will exercise among themselves in terms of aerobics. So the sisters will do that all themselves and they've got themselves into a routine as well. So I think it's, a, it, you know, we're very fortunate that there are uh, various ways that one can do that without specialist equipment. So what people want to be doing is, is ideally between 20 to 30 minutes of uh, physical activity and even things like, as I said, going up and down the stairs, um, uh, squatting, lunges, which can all be done without uh, any uh, specialist equipment. And you will find that that will help maintain strength and you can, uh, you know, you can get the heart rate up, which is what you try and do with any physical activity. Sure, sure. Uh, finally, uh, as we're coming towards the end of the session, I do have a, 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 an eye on uh, the clock as well. Um, many of us within the Muslim community are perhaps suffering from, uh, you know, various illnesses. You know, some may have high blood pressure, uh, others may have uh, issues with their cholesterol, others are suffering from gout, uh, others are suffering from uh, diabetes, and, and perhaps maybe in future we could uh, bring you back for, uh, you know, a, a short lecture on uh, things that uh, individuals who are suffering from some form of uh, illness could, uh, you know, uh, used during the month of Ramadan, but uh, in general, what would you advise uh, in, in such uh, instances? I mean, we know Islamically, depending on the severity of an illness, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, made concessions uh, for such uh, individuals, um, but perhaps some of these uh, fasts can be manageable uh, by, a, you know, living a certain way prior to Ramadan and even during Ramadan. Uh, so what would you suggest uh, for individuals who are perhaps a bit anxious uh, pre-Ramadan regarding the length of the fasting and uh, the effects that it might have uh, on their body i think it's really important that they get in contact with their gp um you know th there's lots of good information out there now especially people who are say type 2 diabetics who have got high blood pressure and advice can be given by the individual gp because uh you know all the, all these illnesses they have varying different needs and, and different mm. severities mm. So it's really important they speak with their GP, make sure that it's safe for them to fast and that they can find out from them uh, also in terms of what, what advice, um, you know, that the GP gives them before they actually commence in a fast because what they, what they don't want to do is make themselves uh, more unwell as a result. And again, uh, you know, there, there are like the Diabetes Society, um, uh, they've also got lots of advice uh, for people who are going to be fasting um, and who are di uh, type 2 diabetic in particular and in terms of how they can do that safely. So I think anybody starting fasting or certainly in terms of starting a new uh, health program, they should always discuss with their own GP first as opposed to just, uh, you know, what they read because it is really important because it is very individual depending what medication they take. Sure. Are there any uh, health supplements that you would uh, recommend during, uh, uh, you know, this particular month? Um, you know, many individuals are, uh, you know, into taking various capsules that may have, uh, you know, natural supplements which will help them with, with their vitamins, etc. Are there things that we should uh, perhaps use as supplements in order to, uh, uh, you know, complement our diet during this month? 
I think the, the probably one in terms of multivitamins, and mm -hmm. that can always help because if you're not getting them enough during during the uh, the day, uh, it's the multivitamins that help with wide wide variety of things. But more importantly, in terms of the immune system, oh. so things like vitamin C. Uh, the other key one, here, and especially among uh, Muslim women, um, but also Muslim men as well, we find. Uh, especially among the South Asian community, our vitamin D level can be very low. Right. And so it's really important that you, if you can get that checked out, and then what you would be the effect? Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but what would be the effect of, of uh, a, a low uh, vitamin D level? Um, what, what, how would that manifest itself? So low vitamin D, there have been studies which show that um, uh, an optimum vitamin D level can help reduce infections. Mm -hmm. uh, it can also help you feel less tired. And in some people, it, it may have an effect with regards to improving their physical performance as well. Right. So in our footballers, we always check in their vitamin D levels, especially during winter, oh. because it can drop. And mm -hmm. so we supplement that. But recent evidence also shows that vitamin d may be important in reducing infection especially with covid as well there have been some uh, research which suggests that uh, low vitamin d levels may have had an effect on people having an increased uh, chance of picking up uh, covid mm -hmm. uh, finally um uh you know to conclude uh, the list of questions which uh, we received and uh, uh, from within the community and uh, which we formulated ourselves as well. The final question which uh, has uh, come up is regarding uh, sleep uh, during Ramadan. Now, sleep even outside of Ramadan is uh, core uh, and uh, it's important just for our functionality during uh, the day. Um, how about during Ramadan where many of us like to spend, uh, you know, the evenings in some form of worship? Um, you know, how would you suggest uh, we, you know, or how would you suggest that during the day, uh, how should we use our time in order to, you know, distribute our sleep as well? Um, because I think, uh, you know, without doubt, there will be many of us who won't get a, a full a full sleep, which is from eight hours. I mean, by the time we've read the Taraweeh, some will also want to have uh, perhaps prayed Fajr uh, Salah in the Masjid. And depending on the various uh, timings that uh, uh, will entail, um, some of us may get four hours of sleep. Some of us may get five. Uh, some of us may, about, may just about scrape uh, six hours of, of sleep as well. So how, what can we do during the day uh, in order to restore some of our sleep and uh, um, how can we ensure that uh, an excess of sleep during the day uh, won't cause us to be lazy uh, or, or cause us uh, further fatigue during the evenings as well in, uh, regarding our day-to-day -day patterns? So you're right. And again, if I, if I refer back to the athletes, um, sleep is one of the areas which is really important, especially for recovery and muscle growth. Mm -hmm. And so for the athletes, what we recommend, and we know that uh, during Ramzan, sleep can be disturbed. We recommend that they have uh, short naps uh, during the day. So maybe what we call a power snooze for about 45 minutes. Certainly don't recommend, you know, sleeping five, six hours during the day, because for me, that negates the effect of, you know, the benefits of Ramzan in the first Precisely, place. Because yeah. The whole point is, you're meant to carry on with what you 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 should be doing during the day. So it doesn't mean that because you can't sleep at night that you sleep during the whole day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if anything, that'll probably make you feel even more tired because again, the body thinks, "Oh, hang on a sec, I'm you know I'm just sleeping. I don't need to do anything." And the body again goes into this sort of shutdown mode. So a power snooze for about 45 minutes in the middle of the day, 
uh, or late afternoon is is fine and should and, and actually people will feel a little bit more refreshed as a result of that sure uh, so that brings us to uh, the end of uh, our questions. Before I ask you for your concluding thoughts uh, regarding this uh, Ramadan, uh, one thing that I do want to highlight is uh, something that you uh, quite uh, eloquently picked up upon uh, previously. That uh, whilst uh, you know discussions of weight loss and and uh, you know dietary practices and you know do's and don'ts of Ramadan are incredibly important as are things like weight loss, etc., it's not actually the purpose of Ramadan and our purpose. As, as Muslims always goes back to the verse of the Quran where Allah says uh, that you develop more uh, an awareness or uh, a mindfulness uh, regarding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, so you know despite uh, you know the discussions uh, that we've had with uh, Dr. Zafar today um, you know many of them or many of the things that have been highlighted here is you know predominantly in order for us to better our own health which is uh, of course an important uh, discussion nonetheless but uh, as Muslims Muslims, uh, from an Islamic point of view, we shouldn't uh, fall uh, prey to uh, thinking that Ramadan um, is a month uh, where we're focusing so much on our uh, external that we forget about our internal, which is our Iman. Uh, and I think this is what uh, you you know you've highlighted uh, previously as well. Uh, I hope that uh, you know our viewers uh, have benefited uh, from this. Uh, Doctor Zafar, your you know your final thoughts, uh, perhaps things that we haven't covered or things that you would like to uh, present to our community. No, I think just reiterating the fact that Ramzan isn't the time to try new things. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, it's not the time to try new activities, new diet. Mm -hmm. Really, it's about maintaining as much as possible uh, the benefits in terms of your health that you've gained over the rest of the year as well in terms of your fitness. So maintenance is key. And more importantly, uh, you know, be in control of what what you're eating and, you know, don't be tempted that you fasted all day and you have to reward yourself by eating lots of samosas yeah. and, mm -hmm. and, that, and that's the key one. So I think you've been disciplined throughout the whole day. Equally, you should be disciplined when it comes to iftar uh, and sehri as well. Brilliant. Uh, Jazakumullah, Dr. Zafar, for your time uh, on behalf of uh, myself and... Uh... MCEC Palmer's Green. Uh, we do know you're you're very busy, and uh, uh, just to have you speak to us, uh, you know, it's a great honor and a privilege uh, for us as well. Um, inshallah, we hope to have you again uh, on a podcast. And uh, for our viewers, seeing as this is the first time uh, we've uh, delivered uh, a program on such a platform, uh, we would ask you uh, kindly for your uh, feedback. And if there's any other guests that you would also like to see uh, during the course of Ramadan or perhaps after Ramadan, uh, whom we could interview uh, and benefit from. Uh, Dr. Zafar, thank you uh, uh, immensely. Uh, it's been of great benefit uh, for myself, and I do hope that that uh, uh, our viewers also benefit from yourself tremendously as well. Inshallah and Jazakallah again for uh, kindly uh, inviting me. Jazakallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam.